episode 38 of the Sharp Cheddar Podcast, coming to you live from the basement of my home. Of course, the new studio, Joe D'Aloisio here. Give me a follow on Twitter at Joe Double underscore D-A-L-O-I-S-I-O. And just like that, in a blink of an eye, the NFL draft has come and gone. What an exciting weekend for some teams. I'm sure if you're a San Francisco 49ers fan, if you're a Ravens fan, an Eagles fan, a Minnesota Vikings fan, I'm no, I know I'm leaving teams out. You're really excited for the future. You added a lot of great pieces. And if you're a Packers guy like myself, who knows? There's some of you who loved the draft. There's some of you who hated the draft. For those of you who loved it, I'm not sure how you could love it. But we'll get into all of that in a few moments. Now, I'll dive into what Green Bay did, of course. Or I should say uh, what they didn't do in just a few moments. But, but before that, I just wanted to talk about the overall draft experience because going into it, obviously this year a lot different because of coronavirus, everything virtual, a lot of questions in my mind, technical difficulties, um, how how the communication would be, there was just, even just the picture itself, how, how would everything play out? And I think the, the NFL absolutely killed it. First, the, the collaboration between um, ESPN, ABC, NFL Network, it was great. It worked well. I liked the fact that you know I was watching it on ESPN and I had guys like da- uh, Daniel Jeremiah and Kurt Warner and Michael Irvin. They were able to join the crew and really break down each prospect. I thought that was great. Um, I also thought that there would be way more technical issues. That wasn't the case at all. I mean, I really expect feeds to go down, um, live shot of Roger Goodell when we weren't supposed to get that live shot of Roger Goodell, uh, maybe his camera cut off, cut out. So the IT team that was working in every single home and throughout the weekend, uh, all the guys behind the scenes, the, the gals behind the scenes, kudos to them because they absolutely killed it. I, I thought I thought it was I thought it was phenomenal. Now, obviously, at times there was a little bit of a delay with Trey Wingo asking analyst questions here and there, but that's natural. We see that on an on an on an everyday basis if we're watching ESPN NFL Network. Uh, th- there's always that delay. Speaking of Trey Wingo, um, one thing that annoyed me a little bit with Trey Wing- Wingo every time there was like a somebody to to announce something, right? He the, the line is engraved in my head. Okay, to the special guest we go. I mean, can the producers get a little bit more creative here? Uh, can we switch up the verbiage just a little bit? I, I felt like he was saying that the for a majority of the draft. Uh, you know, joining us now, that could have worked. Uh, there's just so many different things that Trey Wingo could have done differently to introduce the, these people or these uh, artists that performed. But listen, I got to also give Wingo a lot of credit because he was a one-man show over there. There wasn't a single time where the conversation uh, felt like it was dead or there was or there was dead air. Now, granted, he had a, an easy opportunity. The pick is announced. Throw it to the analyst. But I think the conversation was constantly flowing. I really, really enjoyed the the live look into the general manager's homes, the head coach's homes, especially during a time like this. I, I thought it was it was nice to see everybody working home. Um, I thought it was great to see family, wives, girlfriends, kids around, um, kid, all hanging out around dad. 
uh, you know, celebrating a pick. I, I thought that was that felt natural, right? We're used to seeing all all the personnel in, in these war rooms um, all locked in. It felt more relaxed, you know. Everybody's working at home right now. It just they felt and they look like everybody else. Everyone felt like they were to me. Everyone was on the same playing field with that dynamic. And I thought it was also interesting dissecting, you know, the setups. You know me, I'm a geek. I always talk about technology. I talk about setups. I got three monitors right here when really I only need one. I was intrigued at all the setups that each different um, GM and coach had. And I loved getting a glimpse of the homes that these guys lived in. Uh, I mean, how about Cliff Kingsbury? Uh, talk about a bachelor pad. Forget about being the one of the youngest coaches in the NFL, but you got a house like that. Geez, I thought it was great that they had um, you had NFL players basically saying, "Hey, I want to go hang out with Cliff." I mean, how do I get a home like that? You got someone like Patrick Mahomes saying, "I want a house like that," and and the Honey Badger joking saying, "Hey, that's why I couldn't get paid because look at the home that this guy's living in." You know, him and Sean McVay must have the same landscaper with the grass setup they had going. Very interesting look. I would love to be able to, you know, get on campus there and check it out, see what, see what's what's going on because it looked very modern, very sleek. But um, yeah, that'll definitely not happen anytime soon. Um, I will admit though, I think if I was a coach or general manager, with all the family around, with all the people around. I would have been so anxious and so worried that one of my one of my kids or a pet would run in the room, something gets unplugged, I'm on the clock, now I got I get disconnected, the feed break, the feed goes down. I wouldn't have been able to concentrate. <laughs> and I don't know if that was something, you know, you had some coaches, some GMs that were solo. We didn't see them with anyone. Maybe they don't have families, I don't know. Right? I have no idea what what that situation is like. But if I was in that situation I would have not I would have had to been locked away by myself because I would have just been constantly looking at you know my kid hey what are you doing what's going on you don't touch that don't touch this don't touch that I got don't touch my phone there's phones there's tablets computers all over the place nightmare waiting to happen the last thing I need is my team is on the clock and my kid comes over with his bottle of milk and spills all over the entire the entire workspace forget it I wouldn't be able to deal with that Speaking of pets, though, Bill Belichick uh, probably doesn't have a ton of fans because of his smug attitude, lack of personality, but the, the shot of his dog sitting in his chair that has gone viral on social media, and if you haven't seen it, all you have to do is search Bill Belichick dog and, and it'll come up, definitely improved his uh, his overall stock. He, he gained a lot of fans with that look. And, and while we're on the topic, Jerry Jones with the ultimate flex to the entire league participating in the draft from his yacht. That yacht looked nicer than any wedding venue that I have ever been at. I guess quarantine doesn't suck that bad if you're Jerry Jones. I'm kind of curious though. You think the yacht was moving or was it docked? Now, I would assume it was docked, but who the hell knows where it was docked? Uh, That place looked immaculate absolutely immaculate i think uh, I, I read on twitter something like 250 million dollars must be nice jerry jones must be nice and, and last but not least can't talk about setup can't talk about coaches without talking about mike Vrabel. i mean what the hell was going on in his house during round one 
had people dressed up in costumes, potentially someone going to the bathroom that you saw in the mirror and the door might have been open. Certainly looked like it. Now, even though a lot of people are saying, oh, that was just a guy, the reflection of a guy sitting in, sitting down in the mirror. He was wearing khaki pants. You couldn't tell. I have no idea. All right. I still can't figure out if someone was actually going number two or if someone was just sitting there in their khaki pants. But I'll tell you this. Someone in the league definitely called Rabel and said, hey, cut the shenanigans, cut the nonsense. Nobody, don't, don't bring the, the clown show back. Because the rest of the way out, every time we saw a shot, you had a nice Tennessee Titans background. No fans, nobody, uh, no family members, nobody was around him. I don't know. I, I really thought the the family shots uh, was was a really good touch um, during a time like this. I mean, I love the great stories. I think ESPN. I think all the broadcasts had it had to deep. Had to dive a lot deeper in terms of each prospect, um, film-wise, story-wise, fact-wise, just to keep the conversation going. One thing, though, that I didn't need, I felt like every other prospect, sad music, death in the family, somebody addicted to somebody, something, somebody on drug. like, it was too much of that. Like, it, it became too personal, um... And it, it, it sucks for all those guys. And, and my heart goes out to them and having to deal with it growing up. But at the same time, just a little bit too much for me. On to Roger Goodell. I thought the best part of Roger Goodell this weekend was on Saturday, the final day of the draft, when he was being interviewed by Trey Wingo in just a t-shirt and khakis. In terms of producing... I think, and there's no way they would have done this, right? But I think if you had him relaxed in those khakis and in just a t-shirt, an NFL shirt, I think it would have flown a lot better. We're all working from home. Nobody's really getting dressed like they used to. It would have felt a little bit more natural. Roger Goodell would have been a man of the people with a, with a scene, a wardrobe like that. I thought Goodell struggled a little bit with the teleprompter, especially when he was taking it back from uh, the special guest or any musical performance. It just felt very forced, very robotic at times. Maybe there were some difficulties with whoever was controlling his prompter, but I mean, his eyes were glued straight ahead. He he was reading to the script to the T, and and he was he was he was struggling. He was struggling, and I thought the most cringeworthy part. Every time he turned to the TV screen and on those on the screen, uh, you saw fans who were supposed to be booing. Thought that was a good idea for the NFL. Didn't think whoever was producing the show should tell Roger Goodell, hey, look at the fans. Tell them to, oh, keep booing, keep booing. I can't hear you. Not loud enough. Um, turn around and then read the pick. The turning back and forth did not look good. Did not work. If it was me... I have him standing there, maybe get a little podium with a high chair, something that he could sit on. Because, uh, listen, after standing for for two two straight rounds, you're probably exhausted. I think everyone liked Roger Goodell when he just sat in his comfortable uh, sofa chair and lounged out. Let him just rock out. But overall, I really thought the NFL nailed it. I really thought the NFL na- nailed it. And once again, they come up with, they come up on top. 
I mean, look at everybody else right now. Every other sports league is, is really struggling. Okay, no idea when basketball is going to start. No idea with hockey when they're going to re- when both of those leagues are going to resume. How about Major League Baseball? When is that going to happen? Even though this draft went virtual, the NFL won. The NFL won and they escape. And there's a good chance that they're going to be fine come week one. Now, yeah, maybe there won't be st- fans in the stands. Maybe the off season is going to be a little bit different. But I thought overall it was a great job by everyone. All right, now that I babbled for, I don't know, the last 10 minutes on uh, the overall draft experience, I guess I need to to go to the inevitable and, and talk about the Green Bay Packers draft or the, the lack of drafting or the fact that they didn't nail it. Now, now let me be clear. I am not here to bash any single one of these new players that the Packers drafted. First of all, congratulations to everyone who got drafted. Congratulations to every single new member of the Green Bay Packers. And I really hope they have successful careers. I hope we could see them grow and and win championships in Green Bay. My last three podcasts... I was fortunate enough to have some great guests on, all right? We heard from Joe Zanzola, executive producer of the Bill Michaels Show, out in Milwaukee, Ralph Mancini, writer for PackersTalk.com, Pack to the Future. We used to work uh, We used to work together for Lombardi Ave. And Ben Fennell, I mean, NFL Network, ESPN, The Athletic. Ben does it all. He breaks it all down. And I made sure to ask all three of these, these guys the same question. Is this the year the Packers take a quarterback? More specifically, is this the year the Packers take a quarterback early? And when I mean early, I'm talking about the first couple of rounds. And all three of them said no. When I was reading mock drafts and seeing the Packers drafting a quarterback in round one, Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft, that is forever engraved in my mind. I said there is no way, no chance on earth that this happens. Why on earth would the Green Bay Packers select a quarterback in the first round? I thought it was, you know, maybe they were throwing that out there to see if somebody like, I don't know, the Colts or the Steelers would be interested, come back into the first round and take Jordan Love or any other quarterback towards the tail end. Didn't think it was actually a possibility, especially early. Let me set the scene for you. Thursday night, I'm am- I'm amped up for round one. After hearing Brian Gutenkus speak, I feel like he's going to be aggressive. I feel like he's going to add to the team. It sounds like he knows that this team needs wide receivers. And if the guy's there, they're going to get their guy. I'm feeling really good and excited going, in, going into the start of this draft. I mean, how can you not? Yeah, you're picking 30. That's a great thing. You're picking at the end because you were really good last season. Draft starts. The wide receivers don't start going as early as I thought, as it was projected. 
But they start they start going. They start going. They they start moving. And I'm thinking, all right, maybe what's realistic here is that they trade out. And that's fine. Your guy's not there. Don't force it. It's a deep wide wide receiver class. Don't force it. All of a sudden, boom. They make the move. They trade up from 30 to 26. And you look at the board and I think, I'm thinking, okay, maybe you're not getting a wide receiver here. But Patrick, Patrick Queen, linebacker from LSU, could certainly make an impact right away. Be an awesome addition to this defense. He's right there. They're moving up for Queen. And okay, if they don't want to get Queen, maybe they got their eyes on a good offense alignment. Plenty of options. And then it happened. With the 26th pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Green Bay Packers select quarterback Jordan Love. Where the hell do I even begin with this pick? The first, the first thought other than, are you kidding me? Is I'm going to have another glass of Johnny Walker. My blood pressure. Immediately, I felt it. My, my entire face, my entire body getting red. My heart racing. I'm looking at my phone. Text message after text message. What are they doing? What's going on? Are you kidding me with that pick? I got my friends. Jets fans who's never seen Super Bowls in their life texting me. You guys are a bunch of idiots. What are you doing? Are you kidding me? My cousin calling me. What are we thinking? What are we thinking? I was speechless. I I was completely speechless. I was completely shocked. I usually, for the entire draft, I was on Twitter. When Green Bay picked, I refused to be on Twitter because... I wanted to wait. I, 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 like, I like that. I enjoy that anticipation of who the pick is. And when Roger Goodell announces Jordan Love, my heart sank to my stomach. And this has nothing to do with Jordan Love, the player. Please, please, please. I hope Jordan Love has a successful career. I hope he's great for the Green Bay Packers. This has nothing to do about Jordan Love. But my God. The Green Bay Packers won 13 games last season. The Green Bay Packers were one win away from playing in the Super Bowl. And their first pick of the draft is a quarterback? A guy that may not play? For, I don't know, three years, four years, maybe even five years. You're basically going, and this isn't a a knock at Rashawn Gary. You're basically going back-to-back years where your number one pick, your first-round pick is invincible. How How are you supposed to build as a franchise when you get no production from the first round guys? Those should be the easy picks. Please explain to me how drafting a quarterback makes the Green Bay Packers 
a better team. Please explain to me how Jordan Love gets the Packers closer to a Super Bowl. It doesn't. It absolutely doesn't. Not only did you take a quarterback, you traded up. You gave up a fourth round pick, which you could have easily used and needed to maybe, I don't know, trade back in a little bit later in in round two, get a wide receiver, fill an actual need. But no, instead you come up, you trade, you get rid of a fourth pick, and you add a guy, a quarterback, that yeah, he may be your franchise quarterback in four or five years, but he doesn't help you right now. He doesn't help a team that was one win away from playing in a Super Bowl. I understand Every guy wants their their guy when it comes to quarterback. And you need a quarterback in the NFL to win. Okay? Ron Wolf, Brett Favre, Ted Thompson, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Goody wants Jordan Love. But this is not the time. The timing here does not make sense. Don't even waste your time trying to compare this to when the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers. Because it's not even close. It is not even close to a comparison. Okay, because one, that team wasn't close to competing for a Super Bowl. And secondly, most importantly, Favre had been already talking about retirement for a while at that point. We've just heard Aaron Rodgers say he wants to play in his 40s. We just heard Aaron Rodgers say, go ahead, draft a quarterback because he ain't beating me out anytime soon. Oh, and not to mention another huge difference between that and this. And again, this isn't a slight, this this isn't me bashing Jordan Love. But at one point, Aaron Rodgers was in the conversation to be the number one pick in that draft. Jordan Love wasn't close to that. Yeah, he got some rumors about possibly being in the top 10, right outside the top 10. But never, never close to the top pick or the top quarterback. Last season, when Matt LaFleur became the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, the entire offseason, and maybe a good portion of the regular season, the biggest storyline in in Lambeau, in Green Bay, Titletown, whatever you want to call it, How will Aaron Rodgers get along with Matt LaFleur? What what will their relationship be like? Will Matt LaFleur be able to coach the veteran? Will the young coach be able to come in and tell the old guy what he has to do? This offseason, the storyline should have been, did the Packers do enough to get over the hump? Did they do enough to compete? And, and take down the 49ers. Because last season, they didn't come close. They couldn't touch the 49ers. Did they do enough to get to the Super Bowl? But no. Instead, what we're going to have all season, what we're going to have possibly for the next two, three, four years, until pretty much Rodgers is done, the storyline will be Aaron Rodgers' relationship with Jordan Love, okay? Because we already know how it went with Favre being very cold 
with Aaron Rodgers. Do, do I hope that Rodgers is a good mentor? Absolutely. Is it likely? I have no idea. And right away, Guttenkos gets on the phone with the media post-pick. The first two questions. Would you like about what do you like? What do you love about Jordan Love? Did you speak to Aaron Rodgers? This storyline is going nowhere. As long as Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love are in Green Bay together, it will be there. The minute if Rodgers is struggling, are we really gonna have people calling for Jordan Love right now? Has Aaron Rodgers regressed that much? What, what are people looking at? Is he the same quarterback? Absolutely not. I'm not going to sit here saying he's the best, he's not the best quarterback in the NFL. But if you think that he's regressed that much, you're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. Okay, already on Twitter, the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts in the, in the second round of the NFL draft. Carson Wentz goes on Twitter and welcomes him. Congratulations. Can't wait to work with you. And the, the next thing I got to read, oh, did Rodgers do that for Jordan? Oh, there's already controversy. You got Mike Florio, who never has one good thing to say about Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, already saying, oh, here comes the, here comes the animosity. I just don't understand the, the thought process. I really don't. And again, I, I can't say this enough. I, I hope it works out for Jordan Love. I hope he becomes the next franchise quarterback. And I'll be the first one to admit, I am a spoiled brat when it comes to franchise quarterbacks. I don't know what it's like, other than watching when Rodgers got hurt, what it's like not having the quarterback. Okay? I understand if you want to win in the NFL, you need to have your guy. All right, I've been fortunate enough to watch Brett Favre go to Aaron Rodgers. 20 years of Hall of Fame Hall of Fame quarterback play. And I don't know what the future is like, and that's scary because we've seen a lot of teams suck and continue to suck because they can't get the quarterback position right. But looking for the next franchise quarterback right now, right at this moment, is not the right move. Again, you are one win away from playing in a Super Bowl. This 2020 draft will make or break Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutenkust's tenure in Green Bay. Their legacy is cemented to this 2020 draft. Because right now, there are a ton of people Wondering what the hell is going on in Green Bay. There are plenty of fans that are saying, what are we doing? There are plenty of people saying, the Green Bay Packers completely botched this. And again, who knows? They, they, may, win, they may win the Super Bowl next year. And I, I'm going to sound like an idiot. But what they did in the 2020 draft is just mind-boggling. It's just completely mind-boggling. 
Then in the second round, the Packers decide to draft Boston College running back A.J. Dillon. Now, this kid had an excellent career at BC and is an absolute bruiser, had such a successful career, pretty much ran through everybody in college. That was his MO. Give him the ball. He's going to put his head down, and he's going to crush right through you. I mean, every single highlight that you saw from this kid was absolutely abusing a defensive player, just running right through him. And he got the ball a ton in BC. And I was a little surprised that the Packers went running back early. And I thought running, adding a running back made complete sense because Aaron Rodgers and Jamal Williams are both free agents. And we all know if, if Jones has another year like he did last season, he's going to be expensive. And I, I don't know if the Packers have enough to pay this guy. Because he isn't the only one that needs to get paid next season. There are a lot of guys that, that are going to be demanding money. But I am intrigued, okay? I am intrigued because there is some potential with Aaron Jones and, and Dylan. Now, I think with that being said, Jamal Williams is the odd man out. Uh, I, I think Jones will be able to slash through the defense early. Then you give it to Dylan, and he'll pummel it through. The thunder and lightning. We saw that throughout Twitter right after the pick. It, it could go a long way in, in those cold months in Lambeau, being able to to give the ball to a, a big back, a big bruiser. You know, this is something very similar to what Lafleur had in 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 Tennessee with Derrick Henry. I mean, by no means is AJ Dillon Derrick Henry, but they're very similar runners. They're very similar runners, and they do a lot of the same things. And maybe this means we saw Aaron we saw Aaron Jones in the past game. Uh, Dylan didn't do that a lot in college, although when he spoke to the media, told everybody he's confident. It's just not what we did in BC that he could be effective as a pass catcher uh, out of the backfield. But maybe this means we see Aaron Jones go into the slot a little bit more. I don't know. I don't know. And, and more Dylan as, as a lead back. I think we're going to see a good mix though. Uh, but with that being said. There were bigger needs on the board. There were bigger needs on the board. And, and that's the overall theme of this draft. Wide receiver, tackle, linebacker. And who knows, if they still had that fourth round pick instead of trading it away, you could have leveraged that to trade up, and gotten, a, gotten a playmaker, gotten a wide receiver. I mean, Willie Gay Jr. went the next pick to the Kansas City Chiefs. Denzel Mims, a wide receiver out of uh, Baylor, went to the Jets a few picks earlier. I just thought they were bigger needs. And then the third round, the Packers go with Josiah DeGora, the tight end out of Cincy. Yes, tight end, definitely another need. But again, bigger priorities, bigger needs. Not to mention, you look at the board when they pick them, not the best tight end available. He's definitely athletic. Definitely could block. Sure hands. But he's projected to be a solid H-back in the NFL. I mean, most projections, and projections mean nothing. You know, you look at the mock drafts of round one and what actually happened, a lot of, a lot of changes. A lot of guys going in round one who were supposed to, a lot of guys who weren't, ended up going. So projections, whatever. But these, these, this is coming from people that study these guys on a consistent basis. They had this guy as a, as a day three prospect. 
Dane Brugler from The Athletic, Lane Zerline from NFL.com, they both projected him as sixth-round picks. I mean, I think Zerline compared him to, to Tyler Conklin. This is what Brugler's analysis was of, of the tight end. Dan Vitale mold as an H-back and special teamer who won't overwhelm with his play strength or suddenness in his routes, but he has enough traits to hang on in the NFL on an NFL roster. So basically, the Packers got a fullback in the third round. Underwhelming. Very underwhelming. Now, a little bit later in the draft, Packers ended up drafting a few linemen, a linebacker, safety, with the rest of their picks. But again, very underwhelming. Very questionable. And, and I'm just so, so unsure. Now with the Dylan pick, the DeGuara pick, it, it seems like Matt LaFleur is trying to run his type of offense. The offense that he had in Tennessee, mimicking his mentor in Kyle Shanahan out in San Francisco. I, I think that's awesome. I think that's ambitious. And I think it would be the right move. If the offense was an absolute disaster in year one, that wasn't the case. The offense wasn't a complete disaster. At times, did it look putrid? Yeah. Yeah, sure, it did. At times, it looked like they had no idea what the hell was going on. But really trying to change this much, to me, is puzzling. Especially this offseason. I mean, these guys... Everything's going to be virtual until pretty much July, I think. I don't know. But going in this direction during this time, I don't know. The timing just doesn't make sense to me. If this team wasn't one win away from the Super Bowl, okay. Maybe you want to change things up to an old style that worked. And we saw his style come into play a lot this season. But we're really, with this draft, seeing a full push into the LaFleur era and kicking everything that we saw in the Mike McCarthy era out the window. I don't know, though. Why change it up? Why change it up, especially with the uncertainty of what kind of offseason you're going to have? I don't know. It's just frustrating because... And this, this has nothing to do with the draft, but, but last year, you gave Mike Penton in the defense the tools that he needed, and it paid off. Green, the Green Bay Packers won a lot of their games because of what their defense was able to do, the amount of stops they were able to get. Zadarius, Preston Smith, Adrian Amos. I, I just don't understand why they couldn't do it for the offense this year. And you're going to say, oh, they drafted a running back and a tight end. What are you talking about? They drafted linemen. They did it. Do they did, they did help the offense. No, they didn't. Come on. They did not. You're buying into it if you think that. And again, I hope AJ, I hope Dylan works out. I hope all these guys work out. Pre-draft, all we heard about is how deep this wide receiver class is. Talent. 
You could get it in any round. Any round, you could probably get a good guy. Especially the first, you know, four rounds. Maybe even into the fifth, you'll get a good you get a good sleeper there. Pre-draft, you hear the GM go tell the media, if there's a guy we think can play and can help us out, I don't think we'll have to wait too long. Explain to me how the Green Bay Packers didn't draft a single wide receiver in this draft. It makes no sense. It makes no sense in wide receiver, arguably the biggest need. There is no way that you can sit there listening to this podcast. And I hope you've made it 36 minutes into it. Okay? There is no way that you could sit there and tell me if Devontae Adams goes down because Devontae Adams is on his own island when it comes to that wide receiving core. Thank goodness for Devontae Adams. But there's no way if he goes down that you are confident in Alan Lazard, MVS, EQ, and Devin Funches. You just can't be confident. And if you are, you're delusional. You're drinking the tea. You're drinking the beer. I don't know. You're drinking the Kool-Aid. There's no way you could be confident in that group. And maybe that's why LaFleur said, all right, let's go to what we're I'm comfortable with. Let's try to build up this run game. Get some strong tight ends. Open up for play action. Things will open up for us. Maybe. Maybe that's why. This draft should have been used to give Rodgers some more talent. It really should have. And not only Rodgers, but the overall team. Again, you were one win away from the Super Bowl. I mean, that, that that is an accomplishment in itself. After the disaster in the final year of Mike McCarthy. First year with a brand new coach, a new offense. One one win away from a Super Bowl. This was the perfect draft, or it seemed, based on what all the analysts were saying. That you could add some speed. You could add some elusiveness to the offense. They didn't do that at all. Then you look at other teams. The 49ers. Kansas City Chiefs speed up and down those rosters. Both of those teams improved. The Buccaneers, they improved. The Eagles, the speed that they added. They made a trade with the 49ers, got Goodwin, drafted three wide receivers, two of them that will make an impact immediately. So many people, so many teams took steps in the right direction. Or at least it seems on paper. We'll be able to tell once once we start playing football. But the Packers didn't. The Packers didn't. And you can't say they did. I hope I'm wrong. I, I really, please, I, I, I'm, I'm praying to the gods. The same way I was praying for a wide receiver and I didn't get that. Prove me wrong. I hope I'm wrong. If I had to, to put an overall grade on this draft... I don't think I could give him an F. I can't because it, it you know, it was horrible. But I, I don't think I give him the F. But but they're getting the D. They're getting the D. I think there is some potential with some of the late offensive linemen that they that they added with AJ Dillon. But other than that, just just utter disappointment. It 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 really sucked. Here, here I am looking for. I know it wasn't only me. There's nothing going on. 
quarantine. Things really aren't great. The one thing to look forward to, the NFL draft, a glimpse of football, and your team has a disaster of a draft. A disaster. I'd be lying if I said I'm excited to see how things play out. I would be. And this, again, I've said it so many times on this on this podcast. We were one win away from playing in a Super Bowl. This should have been an exciting offseason. We should be excited going into to year two of, of the LaFleur and Rodgers era. Instead, I don't know what we did in the draft. I don't know what the game plan was. But now all I'm going to have to hear, all I'm going to have to read is about Jordan Love, Aaron Rodgers, their relationship. Did, are they speaking? Is he helping? Did they communicate? Do they talk? Blah, 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 blah. More distractions for no reason. Well, I'll say it again though. The 2020 draft will cement LaFleur and Guttenkuss' legacy in Green Bay. They're going to make out like bandits and be geniuses. And I'm going to listen to episode 38 of the Sharp Cheddar podcast in a few years when I have, you know, 100 plus episodes. And I'm going to say, damn, I'm a fool. And that's why I'm behind the mic, not getting paid much, not getting paid anything actually to do this podcast. I do it because I'm a fan. And that's why they're getting paid a lot of money to make the football decisions. Because I may not know a goddamn thing about football. But based on what I just saw from this draft, the Packers didn't move in the right direction. The Packers did not improve as a team tomorrow for next season. Maybe they look good in three or four years. But the goal every season is to go and compete and win a Super Bowl. What they have done this offseason between free agency with this draft did not help them. They didn't even address the... There's such a lack of depth. They bring in Kirksey, who's injury prone to replace Blake Martinez. Yeah, they drafted a linebacker late. But if he goes back to his old ways and he's injured, who's stepping in? You tell me the answer. Ricky Wagner, if he's playing like garbage, he gets banged out, banged up. Who's replacing him? There were so many big needs. They could have really addressed depth. They could have really improved in taking a step in the right direction, and they just didn't do it. And it's, re- it's really disappointing. Oof. I was going to wait to do this, but that felt fresh to get that all off of my chest now. And I know know I'm not the only one feeling that this way. I know I'm not. I can't be. And there's a lot of people that are going to listen and say, "You're, you're, you're a clown. You're a clown. You don't know what you're talking about. But please, try to convince me otherwise. Because I really don't think the Green Bay Packers got better after this one. And it's a damn shame. That'll wrap up this episode of the Sharp Cheddar Podcast. What did you think of the draft? Let me know. What do you what did you think the Green Bay Packers 
how they did. All right, are you happy? Are you just as annoyed as I am? Let me know. Let me know what you think. If you haven't already uh, subscribed to the podcast, please do. Plenty of different listening options for the podcast. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all of those great podcast platforms. Give me a follow on Twitter at Joe, double underscore D-A-L-O-I-S-I-O. And as always, Go Pack Go.